Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to Church at the Bridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. Today, we are starting a brand new series that Pastor Jose is calling Take the Lead. The title of today's message is It Takes Commitment. So open up your Bibles, grab your notebooks and your pens, and get ready to take some notes. We hope God speaks to you through today's word. Amen. Good morning. Go ahead and give somebody a high five. It is a new year. Make somebody feel loved, feel welcome, right? That's what's supposed to happen in church. We are so excited that you guys are here today. For those of you that don't know me, I am Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here. And man, it is 2020. You know, it's amazing. I keep getting younger every year and I'm just like, you know, anyway, that was a lot funnier in my head, but. Thank you for your support there. No, let me stop. Hey, uh, you know, today we are starting off the new year right. We're starting in a mode of worship with an attitude of praise, with a heart that's open. And I pray that today you are simply open to the truth that God's word reveals. I'm not here to give you my opinion. I mean, that's not how we do things here. We're here simply to give you what the word says. Is that all right? And so I can't think of a better way to start the new year than when the series that we're starting, I'm really excited about it. It's called Take the Lead. Take the Lead. Listen, how many of you know that God really does want to lead you somewhere in life? How many of you believe that? How many of you believe, how many of you call Church at the Bridge your home? Just wave at me real quick. How many of you believe, for those of you that call Church at the Bridge your home, or maybe you're considering it, how many of you believe that God is leading us? Now, listen, everybody gets excited about God leading, right? Everybody says, yes, God is leading. But I got news for you. Where God is leading requires a people that are willing to take the lead towards where he's taking us. Right? God gives us instruction. God gives us direction. God gives us revelation. But at the end of the day, it requires a people that say yes and take steps. Right? And so this series, Take the Lead, is really... Uh, it's, it's, it's for us, not just as a church, but it also applies to you in your personal life. I'm going to be speaking in the context of the church through this series, but I want you to understand that everything that we're going to be hearing applies to your personal life. How many of you know that's good news? Right? The Word of God speaks to us in many ways, and so while I'll be speaking concerning the church, just know this, that that's you, because you are the church. Right? You brought the church. You didn't come to church today. You do know that, right? And so, um, for the next several weeks, we're going to be diving into the scriptures and learning some things that are critical to being a people of God that lead where God is leading us. And today, I want to talk to you about the first and most critical step to taking the lead as God's people, as God's church. And everybody say this with me. I love love Pastor Jose. Jose. All right. Now, remember you said that because I'm going to start off. I'm, I'm talking to adults right now. Right. And so I, I want you to understand that I mean no disrespect with what I'm about to say, but I'm going to today we're going to be talking about a very nasty word. It's a vulgar word. It's a word that we don't like. No one likes. It's a word that isn't uh, accepted in this day and age. It's unwelcome. And listen, let me just say from the very beginning, as I start this sermon, that I apologize to you because this is an offensive topic. We're going to be talking about commitment. Commitment. 
But let me talk about commitment today. See, today we're going to be looking at the first and most critical thing that we need to know in order to take the lead as God's people towards where he's leading us, not just as a church, but even in our own lives. And I want to talk to you today about the topic of it takes commitment. Now, I know for some of us, we giggle, you know, we got a good laugh out of that. But the truth is that commitment is something that is uncommon in this world today. Commitment is something that is hard because we all have commitments, right? That makes sense? I told you this was going to be a nasty one. I told you this is offensive, right? If you look at any major institution that's making an impact, it could be a university, it could be a hospital, it could be a church, it could be a service organization, it could be an innovative business that's leading the way. What you're going to find in all of these institutions that make a lasting impact is you're going to find people who bore the weight of founding, leading, and managing it into an effective and long-lasting future. That makes sense? And so like these institutions, listen, the church does not survive or thrive without responsible people who are committed to soldiering the burden of moving the kingdom forward. Listen closely. The church, the body of Christ. Somebody say, that's me. If you believe that, say that. Say that with me. That's me. Right? Okay, because this is personal. The church, the body of Christ, is only as effective and strong as its people. It's only as effective and strong as its people. And so the growth that we've experienced in these last six years, and more specifically in the last year and a half, has been doing part to a move of God that has brought people who recognize the responsibility, listen closely, of partnering with God to reach people. Listen closely to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, what the Bible says about you and me. It says, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Notice that God calls people co-workers. He calls his people co-workers. Anybody have co-workers? I know for some of you, you think of some of your co-workers and you go, right? you, you got everything under the sun to say about them, right? That's not, this is not the time nor the place, right? But I want you to consider the term co-worker and what it implies. If we're to work with God to accomplish his good and greater purposes, not just as a church, but in our personal lives, we have to understand that God sees us as co-workers, that God invites us to co-labor, to co-work, to co-operate with him. You know what's interesting about the word co? It speaks of more than one. And here's what it also says. Without one and one equaling two and working together, it won't work. See, what, also, what this also means is that God works with us to accomplish his good and greater purposes. And so therefore, think of it this way. When we work with God, the kingdom of God works. Say that with me. When we work with God, the kingdom of God works. But listen, when we don't, it doesn't. When we don't, it doesn't. Now, whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not, whether you're here with us or you're joining us online, I got good news for you. God is inviting you and I into a partnership. God's not interested in, in just having a bunch of little, uh, a, a fan club. 
God calls us into partnership. You know, I, I've, had a, I've, I've had people that, you know, people that come here uh, after a while, I'll get this question and they'll say, Pastor. And I'll go, yeah. And these are people that have come from, you know, they've been in the church world for, for a while. And they say, um, when do we do membership classes? And my response is always this. Show me membership classes in the Bible. Show me where I got to put you through a bunch of hula hoops for you to be a part of what God is doing here. It's not biblical. You won't find it in the scriptures. The Bible says this, that we are members in particular of one another. The scriptures say that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're saved. Guess what? If that's where you are in life, Welcome home. Welcome to the church. Welcome to a move of God. Welcome to what God is doing in your life. And so God is interested in partnership. Not membership. Right? We're not called to be membership. We're called to be partners, to be co-workers. Now watch what the scriptures say leading up to this that kind of bear out this point a little bit more. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 5 through 8 says this. What, after all, is Apollos? This is Paul speaking in regards to another person. And he says, what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. And so, watch how this works. When we make a commitment to work with God, we discover the power of God. When you make a commitment to be a part of what God is doing, you begin to discover how God grows everything around you. Isn't that good news? Listen closely. God wants to grow everything around you, but it takes partnership. It takes commitment. Paul was a man of great accomplishments. This guy um, was, uh, some people refer to as a super apostle. I don't know what that means. I just, it's just a term I've heard. But basically, this guy went around and he brought the gospel in a powerful way. He went around the known world and discipled many people and introduced them to Christ. And miracles happened and life change happened and so many communities of believers were raised up. But his results were a byproduct of his commitment to God, his commitment to the church, his commitment to people. Listen closely, a great church that advances the gospel and impacts lives is built by people that take partnership with God seriously and prioritize his purposes primarily. I'm going to say that again. A great church, the church of Jesus Christ, right? The body of Christ that advances the gospel and impacts lives is built by people that take partnership with God seriously and prioritize his purposes primarily, right? And so while everyone around this guy, Paul, was impressed with the results of his exploits in ministry and placed an emphasis on him 
Ooh, look at what Paul's doing. Ooh, look at what Paul's accomplishing. Ooh, look how God's using him. Ooh, look at his faith. Ooh, look how much Bible he knows. Paul corrects their thinking by saying this. He says, who's Paul? He says, God has been making this grow. And watch what he says in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 3. He says, we are co-workers in God's service. We're co-workers. See, Paul understood the value of this commitment. He lived a life committed to God. He lived a life committed to what God had called him to do. But he also lived a life to who God had called him to do it with. Right? And when you make the commitment to be in God's service, God's commitment to you is that he will cause you and everything around you to grow. Anybody interested in just some different results in this new year? Looking for something more? Looking for something greater? Right? Looking for something deeper? Right? Looking to expand in new ways, learn new things, experience uh, what God is doing in your life in new ways? Right? If you're looking for that, here's the key. Partner with God. Make a commitment. Make a commitment. I'm going to make a statement that isn't going to be a very popular one. But I want you to understand that commitment positions you. When you make a commitment to what God is doing through the body of Christ, what God is doing in your local church, it does something in your life. It, it does some growing in you. There's a recipe that exists. And I want you to understand that God works, that God works through people, and God works through his church. He works through the body. And so we can trace the origins of commitment and how it works in God's kingdom to the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus on earth. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Listen, listen to this encounter that Jesus has in the words that he shares. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, this is the very beginning of his ministry, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, let's consider this here. The ministry of Jesus, in essence, was the beginning of the church age. It serves as the blueprint for the establishment of God's kingdom on earth through people just like you and I. And what we see here is from the onset is that God's kingdom on earth was established through people who made a commitment. They made a commitment. The first disciples who went on to establish the church began with a commitment to follow Christ, to work with him and each other, and eventually to go on to impact people like he did. Get what Jesus did at the beginning when he established the church. He reached out to people and said, hey, get involved with what I'm doing. 
Go where I'm going. Learn what I can teach you. And so through these three years, it took him 30 years to prepare for three. And in those three years, he poured himself into 12 men. He spent life in community with them. He taught them. And then he also empowered them to do things as the body. To be an extension of what the kingdom of God wanted to do. But he always told them, stay close, stay together. And these men went and did what he called them to do. They committed to follow Christ. They committed to work with him and each other and eventually other people. And then they also committed to go on and impact people like he did. You know what that sounds like? What the church should be. Here's why I say should be. Because if we could just be real for a moment without telling on ourselves, right? But hey, if the shoe fits, just change it. Don't worry, change it. If we could be honest with ourselves, commitment to this extent is a struggle for some of us. It's a tough one. What do you mean, commit? You want to ex- examine the level of these guys' commitment? They put their nets down. Fishermen who left their fish. Whoa. That's commitment. That's commitment. So let's talk about, I told you this was a nasty word. I told you this is an offensive one. This will ruffle every feather. This will make you uncomfortable. Listen, for some of us, it might even be like, I don't ever want to go back to that church. Just consider the truth here. Let's, let's see what the truth says. And so there's, there's, there's two lessons that we can glean immediately from this encounter of, that Jesus had with these four men. The first one is that commitment prepares you for what God has called you to. Commitment prepares you for what God has called you to. Listen, these guys were fishermen. You know what that means? They were committed to the business and trade that was passed down to them through their family line. You know what that business was? Fish. (laughs) They were experts at fishing. In those days, you didn't just go one day, ah, I think I'll be a fisherman. No, you learned the trade and the craft that was passed down to you. If your daddy was a carpenter, you were a carpenter. And so... These guys were fishermen, but the commitment they made that day prepared them for what God had created them for. Think about it. The disciples' future hinged at that very moment. It hinged on their response to the invitation to be planted in the ministry that Jesus had. Let me put that to you another way. Jesus said, Leave what you're doing, Debbie, and come do what I'm doing. Come get involved with what I'm doing. This is primary. And at that point, that began to prepare them for what God had called them to. Listen, in that moment, their commitment positioned them to become apostles and the early church leaders. Without their decision and their commitment, we would not be here today. See how important commitment is? Parents, think of it this way. The commitments you make right now are the ones that impact your children later on. 
That makes sense? See the power of commitment? And so their commitment positioned them to become the apostles and the early church leaders. In a single moment, the future of these ordinary men, unbeknownst to them, took a turn toward their destiny based on the choice to commit where Jesus was planting them. See, commitment to the kingdom of God is the foundation for all growth. All growth. And for you and I as believers to grow, we must be all in with God. But we also have to be all in with the church that God has planted you in. Now look, if you're visiting today, we are so happy that you're here. If you're looking for a home and God's planting you here, amen. We're so excited about that. But just understand that we're all called to a higher call than just church attendance. This word commitment is a nasty one, man. Oof. It's an offensive one. It makes me feel uncomfortable just saying it. It doesn't quite roll off the tongue, this word commitment. And yet, without commitment, there isn't the kingdom. Without commitment, there isn't growth. These men started off as fishers. But when they made a commitment to be planted where Jesus had placed them, they became fishers of men. They discovered their destiny. Let me translate that for you. You cannot discover where God is leading you apart and independent from the vibrancy of community that exists among the people that God has placed you with in the church. Now, whether you go to church or you don't, we can all relate to this. You know why? Because we all understand that we need people to thrive. We need people to grow. We need people for opportunity. We need people to learn. And so this is a kingdom principle. And so commitment prepares you for what God has called you to do. If we can't commit to the kingdom, if we can't commit to the local planting of the body of Christ where God has us, then here's what we need to understand. That we lack preparation. I'm going to show you that in a second from scripture. But I want to lead you to the second thing that we see from this uh, encounter that the disciples had with Jesus. It's that commitment defines priority. The word commitment simply means to make something a priority. And because of that, here's what it also means. It means that something gets excluded. I told you this word commitment is a nasty one. Something gets excluded. To say I'm committed to my spouse, right? To say I'm committed to Annette, right? Means that I make, you see how she said, she, she made... She made sure, real quick to say, you better believe it. She didn't even say, so be it. Listen, for me to say that I am committed to my spouse, right? To say that I'm committed to my spouse means that I, I, I make her a priority, but it also means that I exclude other things and people that may conflict or undermine my marriage relationship to her. See that? The same should be true when it comes to the marriage relationship that we have with Christ. 
Do you know that the Bible calls us the bride of Christ? We're not just called his body. He, esteem, he, 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 he literally views us as a precious bride. The love of his life. The one that he gave himself for. And something has to go in order for the richness of God's word, the power of his presence, and the clarity of his leading to work effectively in our lives. We cannot make a commitment greater than the one to God and his kingdom. I'm not saying we won't have other commitments, but that's where all life flows from. Think of, think of the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, He says, just seek first the kingdom. He's talking to a people that are worried about life, worried about their children, worried about where they're going to get their next meal, worried about a paycheck, worried about the problems, worried about the political issues with Rome at the time, worried about all the divisions, worried about what's happening in the church and, and how you know, there's an upper class and a lower class and all these other things. And Jesus just says this. Just seek the kingdom of God first. And all these things will be added to you. See, when we commit to the kingdom, he commits true life to us. Right? And so everybody wants to be part of an effective church, right? right? You want to be planted somewhere where God's doing things, where something's happening. So everybody wants to be part of an effective church but the truth is that not everyone will accept the commitment that it takes to prioritize its effectiveness. The church, partnership with God does not work without commitment to what he calls us to. Listen to Revelations 22 verse 17 as a good example of this. It says, the spirit and the bride say come. So let me just break that down for you. The spirit, that's talking about God's spirit. The bride is talking about his church, his people. And watch what happens. It says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who's thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Listen, those thirsting in life to find the water of life, here's how they find it. When the spirit of God... And the bride, you and I, partner up together, and we say, come. We say, come. Listen, God is able to do it all on his merry own. He's God all-powerful, God all-knowing, God all-seeing, God, God all-present. He's all that. But watch how God chooses to do it with you and me. God says, I'm not willing to do it alone. I want to share this joy. You know how I look at it? I don't have to come to church. I get to be a part of the church. I get to partner with God. I get to see lives changed. And so it takes commitment to our relationship with God to bring healing to a hurting world. God works through you and me. But in order for it to work, it starts with that nasty word, commitment. Commitment. And so look, 
God is leading you and I. He's leading us individually. He's leading us here at Church at the Bridge as his people, as a part of the local body. He's, he's, he's uh, guiding us in, in, into new things, right? And here's what we got to understand. If we're going to take the lead towards where God is leading us, here's what we got to see. That commitment goes hand in hand with accountability. Listen closely. Commitment goes hand in hand with accountability. Here's some things to take in the lead. First one, commitment goes hand in hand with accountability. Let me read to you Isaiah 29 verses 15 and 16. It says, woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? You turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? So, see, commitment requires that we make ourselves accountable to God's process for growth in life. That makes sense? There's a way that God does things. And oftentimes what we try to do is to fit God into our process of life. And that's like putting a square peg into a round hole. It does not work. It does not work. You try and fit your spouse into just a portion of your life. Try it if you dare. Go home today and say to your spouse, say to your children, say to your friends, I will only devote to you one hour out of my week. Yeah, enough said, right? And so we're accountable to God, and we've got to realize that commitment requires that we make ourselves accountable to how God does things. When we make commitments without accountability to God's process, it leads to weakness that grows in secrecy. Things begin to go awry behind the scenes. Let me put it to you another way. Commitment without accountability ends in tragedy. And so God uses the example. He says, does the pot tell the potter how to do it? No. God says, no, that's not how it works. The potter makes the pot for the purpose. He shapes it. He forms it. He designs it. He guides it. He places it. Right? Right? And so the potter's accountable to the potter, and the potter knows best. God knows best. Ephesians 4, 16 says this, from him, say that with me, from him. Now, that's talking about God. From him, the whole body, that's the entire body of Christ, that's you, that's me, that's his people, were joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Here's what that looks like. Go ahead and reach out to somebody around you and wrap your arm with theirs. Go ahead and lock arms with them. Go ahead and reach out to someone else. Yeah, lock arms with them. So let me read this to you. From him, in other words, this is how God does it. The whole body, right, is joined and held together. So we're not just joined together. We're held together, but watch out. 
by every supporting ligament. Go ahead and look to your left and look to your right and recognize what God is doing among you. Recognize that the body of Christ and the person sitting next to you, across from you, behind you, around you, is there for a reason. They are a support. And, and when we understand that we're joined and we're held together by every supporting ligament, watch what happens. It says that we grow and we build ourselves up in love as each part does its work. Listen closely. All growth flows from God, but that growth happens through our commitment to God's process through the church. Ouch. That's tough. You mean I can't do this alone? You mean I can't just do it from my screen? You mean I just can't do it because I believe in Jesus? I just don't like people. I get it. But the potter says that this is how it works for the pot. This is how we grow. Listen to Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. I want you to see that what I'm saying here is not my idea. I want you to understand that this is God's makeup. He says in verse 11 of Ephesians 4, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. Listen, people that take the lead where God is leading them start by committing to God's process for growth. And they grow within the community of the church because they are committed to remaining connected to what God is doing through the church. Now I get it. For some of us, we've had some church hurt. You've been hurt in church. I've been there. But don't fault people for their faulty understanding of how God works his process. Forgive, move on, and unite to the body. Make the commitment. Make the commitment. Listen, we're going to see this next week. To commit to the church, and I'm not, listen closely to what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, hey, you've got to be committed to me. Although that's a part of it. Just like I'm committed to you. I'm not saying you have to commit to the church at the bridge brand. That sounds like a cult. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if God has placed you here, planted you here, or wherever God is planting you, make a commitment to grow there, to supply there, to encourage there, to build there, to go where God is leading there. And as you do that, 
not only will the body grow, you'll grow. That makes sense? And so commitment requires ownership. This is my last point as we close here today. I want us to consider this question. What does it really mean to you when you say, this is my church? This is my church. Does it mean this is where I hang out with some friends? Does it mean this is where I go to hear God's word? Does it mean this is what I do on Sundays? Does it mean this is where I feel comfortable? Does it mean this is where I can just blend in and not be noticed? Or does it mean this is where I am in partnership with God? Does it mean this is where I'm committed? Does it mean this is where I'm planted and committed to what God is doing? Does it mean this is the place where I'm called to and responsible to help advance the kingdom of God? As we close here today, I want to leave you with some closing, some parting thoughts here. Acts chapter 20 verses 35 through 34 says this, You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. This is Paul speaking. He says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul gives us a great example. God called him to build the church by building people. But that didn't happen on its own. Paul took ownership. Listen closely. When we started this church, I'm going to be frank with you. We stepped out six years ago today. Exactly today, January 5th, 2014. Had no clue how this was going to develop except that God said. And so I went to God with a question. I said, God, how's this going to work? And here's what I was really saying. God, how's this going to be funded? How's this going to start? How's this going to... How, how, how are we going to even take the first step? And in that moment, God showed me a few things with one scripture. It's the moment where Moses finds himself... At a crossroads, so to speak. He's stuck. He's got the Egyptians coming from behind. He's got the people of Israel. And he's going where God is leading him. He's taking those steps. He's made the commitment. And then he says, God, we're going to die here. What are we supposed to do? And God says, Moses, what's in your hand? And at that moment when I read that, I understood what God was saying to me. Son, it starts with your commitment. Let me tell you what that translated into. The first two and a half years of this ministry, I worked full-time as a consultant for like six different organizations. And I worked at the church. I did the plumbing. I did the painting. I did plastering. I did sound. 
I preached, I taught, I did community work, I pastored people. And I got to tell you, there were times when I, I was just like, oh my God. And, mind you, I had a family. I had a marriage, children, friends. But that commitment all began with the commitment that I had to be willing to make. You want to hear something funny? Well, it was, it's funny to me now, but it wasn't funny at the time. I said, man, we need, we, we, we need to, you know, make some payments so that we can, you know, facilitate all this paperwork because we did this legally, right? We didn't just pull this out of a hat. And I said, well, God, this is what I need. And he says, well, what happened to that, that money that you made when you left? There's $476 there that's a tithe that you can use. I took those $476 and we started a church. Now, mind you, my wife said this earlier. We had no clue who was coming how this was going to work, and by the way, this is not where I take a second offering. We don't, we don't play that game here. Don't worry about that. We're not, we, we don't run gimmicks here. So I'm not here pulling at your financial heartstrings. That's not where I'm coming from. Sunday, January 5th, 2014, a family, the Espinal family, shows up at our home. I hadn't seen these people in a while. I used to be their kid's youth pastor. They come in with their kids and the family. The Romeo family knocks on our door. Had no clue they were coming. They show up. Jeff, his wife, and their three kids. And their two kids. His third one was born after the fact. My sister-in-law, Naomi, who's right here in, in, in the visual department, she drives up 60 miles from the city with her kids. It's me and my wife... My son on acoustic, my daughter singing, my, my flat screen TV was, not that one, that wasn't my flat screen TV, but a flat screen TV in my living room was where we projected the, the scriptures and all that. Our kitchen was our counter, my son's, my, my, my son's uh, bedroom, because he was away in college and he was driving back and forth on the weekends or we were going to get him at the time. That was our bridge kids department. Our kitchen was our cafe area. Our dining area is where we all hanged out afterwards and people came in and listened closely. It worked. And here we are today, six years strong, growing, vibrant, excited about what God is doing. But ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to see is this. And I'm not boasting here on me. Please, I'm not that guy. It began with a commitment. I said, Lord, I'm committed. If this is where you're planting me and this is what you're calling me to do, then Lord, I'm committed. Listen, when I say this is my church, I am not saying this is the church that I founded. When I say this is my church, I am not saying I am the pastor of this church. When I say this is my church, I say I have a part in this. I'm an owner of what God is doing here. I'm a steward of what God is affecting here. Listen, I'm, I'm a participator. I'm a partaker. I own this. When I say, this is my church, you know what I'm saying? 
This is my commitment. This is my planting. This is my, this is my growing ground. Commitment. Listen, commitment without conviction results in complacency. Let me just tell you what I'm talking about here. Matthew 4, 18 through 20, Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. We read this earlier. And he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said, come and follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Watch this. At once they left their nets and followed him. The ministry of Jesus to reach the world was not solely contingent on his message. It was contingent upon men, upon people who were moved by the belief that his plan was their plan. What am I saying here? The word conviction is simply a firm belief. And if we're going to, as we start this new year, I want you to consider this. Are you thoroughly convinced that this is where God has planted you? If this is your church home and you're convinced that this is where God has called you to, then make a commitment to God. And let that commitment transcend into what God is doing in the church. If you know anything about us, there's one thing amongst many that we're known for. It's community. It's people. We're in the people business, ladies and gentlemen, and we take this seriously. We love God, but man, we want to make sure we're doing the same thing that's equal to it, loving people, reaching people, serving people. I leave you with this thought, today's takeaway. God is leading you. God is leading us as his church into new ground, to new places. God's doing some amazing things. But we as his people must take the lead by making commitment to be in partnership with what he's doing. Not just in our lives, but in our church. Amen? Amen. Let's stand here today. I told you that word commitment is a nasty one. But it's a necessary one. Father, today we say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for reaching out to us. Thank you for including us. Thank you for calling us co-workers, Lord. Sometimes we may not see ourselves as able, as capable, but Father, thank you that you qualify us, that you call us capable, that you call us partners, that you call us co-workers. Today, Lord, we open our hearts, we open our lives to you. I believe, Lord, that today your word has shined in our hearts. That it's helping us, that it's building us, that it's connecting us. That it's preparing us, Lord, for all that you are yet to do and you're unveiling in our lives. We say thank you for that. Hey, it's very possible that there's someone here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But today you're hearing that God wants to work with you, that God wants to affect things in your life in partnership with you, that he doesn't work independent of you, that he's inviting you to something greater, relationship with him. If you believe that today, 
And I want you to understand that God proved himself to you and I before we could ever prove ourselves or do anything for him. He gave his very best. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, to beat you up, to shout you out, to put you down. No, instead he came to save it, to provide another way. If you believe that today, pray this with us. Say this with us. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe that you died and you rose again. I believe that you paid the price for me. Because you love me. Today I declare you my Lord, my Savior, and my God. And I'm committed to your leading, to your guidance, to your best for my life. If you prayed that for the very first time, we celebrate what God is doing in your life. Come on now, let's give it up for what God is doing in the lives of people. We are so grateful. Now, Father, we leave here thanking you for Jesus Christ and your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you again next Sunday. Thank you again for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. If this message spoke to you, don't forget to let us know by tagging us on your social media stories at ctbny or sharing with a friend. We can't wait to see you again next week. Thank you for tuning in.